Good evening, Friday night family. How's everyone doing tonight? It's so good to be with you. It's good to see you tonight. If you have no idea what was happening up there on that screen, we had over 900 children here over the past four days. I have four kids and all four of my kids were a part of that and they are blitzed tonight. They are at home like, Dad, we wanna be with you, we wanna support you, but please, can we rest? I'm like, yes, absolutely. How many of you are the beneficiaries or the recipients of the blessing of Kids Camp this week? Parents, have you, have, have you uh, sent any kids this week? Let me just see hands. Awesome, awesome. And how many of you served, whether by way of staff or volunteers? I wanna make sure I recognize those who serve. Give all those guys who served a big hand. Thank you. Thank you so much. What a fun, what a blessing that is to be able to provide to our children a safe place, a fun place, and a place not that's, that's just not fun, but a place where they are hearing about the message of the gospel and they're hearing about the power of the Holy Spirit. The theme this week was about the power of the Holy Spirit in the book of Acts. So I am delighted to be a part of a church that is teaching the next generation about the person, the presence, and the power of the Holy Spirit. If you're here tonight for the very first time, I wanna welcome you. My name's Jay Duncan. I'm not the lead pastor here at Friday night, but it is an incredible honor anytime my wife Christy and I get to be here. Uh, anytime Pastor Daniel and Lisa extend the invitation, we're just so thrilled and we're so honored because we love you guys. We're, we're just thrilled to be a part of the family. So if you're here tonight for the very first time, welcome. You're in for, uh, I think you're gonna encounter the Lord in a really special way, both through his people, in the worship, at the table, and in the word, and we're just delighted to have you guys tonight. So uh, at Midtown, we are wrapping up, this weekend, we are wrapping up our series on the Holy Spirit. So I'm not exactly sure where Friday night is at, but I'm gonna preach on the Holy Spirit tonight. And uh, if you have your Bibles, I'd like for you to grab your Bible and we're gonna hang out in John chapter 14, 15, and 16. And as you're turning there, I'm gonna ask that we take a moment and we pray for our nation. So as you're grabbing your Bible, as you're finding your way to John chapter 14, 15, and 16, if I were at home tonight, uh, I'd be praying for our nation in light of the decision that just happened earlier today. Several weeks ago, uh, when there was a document that was leaked, that the probability of Roe versus Wade being overturned, Pastor Brady sat with us, congregational pastors, and he said, you guys, I want us to make sure that we are hovering over this with prayer, that we're pastorally sensitive to all the ramifications of what this means, and there are a lot. And one of the things that I've learned from him, being in the prayer room with him over the past several months, is he says, you guys, what's gonna happen is there's gonna be a lot of young ladies that are flooding the state of Colorado. And we are going to pray that the moment they cross over into this state, that the spirit of the living God arrest them. Arrest them in the very best way with love and kindness and grace and hope. So I wanna pray for every woman out there today who feels lost, who feels hopeless, who's angry. My Facebook feed today, as I was just scrolling through that, because they're not just all Christians, and my friend list, there are a lot of angry people, confused, disoriented, hurt, and I wanna pray for them tonight. I wanna pray for the pregnancy centers around the nation. I wanna pray for wisdom to come to our leaders. Can we do that here for a few minutes, church? Yeah. Thank you. Father, in the name of Jesus, we invite the wisdom, and we invite the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit into this moment of prayer. And Father, I just think it's so apropos according to what we're gonna to preach tonight because we're gonna talk about the fact that you're the one who helps us when we do not know how to pray. And we're standing in a moment of history, Lord, that we've never been before. And there's a part of us, God, as people who believe in the biblical theological definition and understanding of life, Lord, we're, we're happy, we're celebrating, we're joyful, this is monumental. And Lord, while we hold that in one hand, we also hold in the other hand the reality that there are a lot of people that don't know you, that are afraid and that are angry, and Lord, we care about them. And so, Father, we're asking that you would teach us how to pray. Teach us, Father God, how to carry your heart. Teach us, Lord, how to intercede for those who, uh, in this moment of time, they're not celebrating. So, Father, I pray right now for every young couple that is, that is hearing this news and it's not hitting them in a positive way and I pray right now that there would be friends and there would be advocates and there would be allies that come to them. Lord, I pray that missionaries would be sent, Lord. Neighbors and friends and relatives and even strangers that bring hope and that bring perspective. 
Father, I pray that when young women come to the state of Colorado with their boyfriends or husbands, Lord, I pray, God, that they would, they would just step into an atmosphere of hope in our state. Father, I pray that those who are not advocates of life, I pray that the Holy Spirit would visit them in dreams. I pray that the Holy Spirit would bring revelation to them. You've done it before. I pray that you would bring a healthy and holy conviction to them. Lord, I pray for all the pregnancy directors, the pregnancy centers, the staff and the volunteers that work at these places all across the nation. Lord, give them wisdom, protect them, give them safety, give them peace. And Father, I'm asking that you would grant all of us, Christians and pastors and leaders, give us wisdom, Lord, to know how to speak into this prophetic moment in history in a way that is winsome, in a way that is right, in a way that is appropriate. And we ask these things tonight in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Well, as we're rounding out the end of our series, I want to talk tonight about the fact that the Holy Spirit is our advocate. So turn with me, if you would, to the book of John, chapter 14. I'm going to read a verse. I'm going to give you a little background about this verse, what's happening here in this story. I don't want to assume that everybody knows what's happening in John 14, 15, and 16. And then we're going to talk about three ways that the Holy Spirit today is our advocate. Three ways that the Holy Spirit is advocating for you in your life. And I love the fact that Pastor Daniel was so pastorally sensitive tonight that he recognizes that there might be some in this room who are feeling like you're on your last leg. And friend, the good news for you tonight is that when Jesus Christ died and resurrected, he did not leave us alone. In fact, one of his promises was, I'm not gonna leave you as orphans. I'm gonna send you another advocate. So tonight, I'm here to proclaim the good news that the third person of the Trinity has been sent to you to be your advocate, to fight on your behalf. So I've got a good word for you tonight. Open up your hearts. I think it's gonna be something that's gonna encourage you. John chapter 14, let's look, if we would, at verse 16. Jesus says, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate. Everybody say, another advocate. Now, here's where the NIV is a little redundant because he says he's going to help you and he will be with you forever. Another advocate who will help you and who will be with you forever. So for those of you who are not familiar with what's happening in this moment, Jesus is just hours away from laying his life down for the sins of humanity. He's about to give himself up to be executed on a cross, Roman style. He's spending this intimate moment with his disciples and he's letting them know, guys, I'm about to leave. I've been with you for about three years. I have been your advocate. I've been your teacher. I've been your pastor. I'm the one who's covered you. When angry mobs rose up against you, I'm the one who stepped in and I quieted them down. When demoniacs, when we walked into you know, things that were way out of our depth and you didn't know how we were gonna get out of there alive, remember, I was with you and I was your advocate and it brought you a sense of peace. Remember that moment when we were on the boat and you guys thought you were gonna drown and I was asleep, I was your advocate. And so the disciples, they're a little overwhelmed right now. They don't know what to think. They're thinking to themselves, Jesus, if you leave, we're gonna be all alone. But he gives them this promise. Guys, listen, I was your advocate, but I'm gonna give you another advocate. An advocate of the same spirit, an advocate of the same type. I was with you, but this advocate will be in you. This advocate will be with you Always. This word advocate in the Greek, some of you may know this, is the word paraclete. And it's translated multiple different ways. If you look at something like Bible Hub or you look at a parallel Bible and you look at all the different translations from the New American Standard, the literal versions, all the way over to the NLT, you'll find that this word is translated about five different ways. Let's throw this on the screen. Paraclete is translated as advocate. It's translated as helper, comforter, counselor, and intercessor. Look at the range of this word. This is amazing. This is what Jesus is saying. When I send you the Holy Spirit, I am sending you the best of the best who is gonna walk alongside of you in every season and situation of life because he's going to be in you and he is going to help you to the degree that you have never received help in your life before. Now, when you hear the word advocate, what do you think of? Just think about that. You think about child advocates. You think about uh, people advocating for human rights around the world. 
You think about someone standing up and championing and fighting for the cause of someone who was not able to fight for themselves. That's the role of the Holy Spirit. When you feel like, as Pastor Daniel said tonight, that you're on your last leg, when you feel like you have nothing left to give, when you feel like there's no one to stand up to let your voice or your need or your vulnerability be heard, guess what? The Holy Spirit is the one who is fighting on your behalf, in the natural and in the spirit. Then it says that he is our helper, that he knows exactly what you and I need, and he is able to provide the assistance and the support and the strength and the provision that we need for every moment and every season of life. He is called alongside of you, and he has been given to you to help you, to help you. Anybody need help in the room tonight? Anybody, just a couple of people? I'll just preach to myself then, because I need help of every moment of every day in my parenting, in my husbanding, in my pastoring, in just being a citizen in this crazy, hectic, frenetic world. Friends, I need help to know how to navigate the turbulent waters of the culture that we're in right now, how to have right and good and wholesome conversations with people that are my enemies. I need help. But then there's this beautiful word, he's also a comforter. He's a comforter. So the scripture over and over and over again talks about the fact that God mends the heart of the brokenhearted, that he puts, he puts us back together when it seems like everything in our lives has fallen apart. When we need someone to identify with us, when we need someone to tend to our brokenness, the Holy Spirit's our comforter. This is perhaps one of my, my favorite uh, translations is he's our intercessor. He's our intercessor. Let's look at a couple of these definitions. The first is, what is a paraclete in terms of its actual definition? It's one who is called to one's side or called to one's aid. Second definition is one who is called to lead us into a deeper knowledge of the truth and give us a divine strength needed that will enable us to undergo trials and persecutions. This is one of the functions of the Holy Spirit as your advocate. One of his functions is, is when you're under fire, when you're under hostility for being a born again believer in the United States of America in the year 2022, and it seems like on every front, the enemy and the culture are against you, the Holy Spirit's been given to you to help you know how to navigate the hostility of the culture of this hour. Look at this definition, it's one who pleads another's cause before a judge or a counsel for defense. So within these definitions, we actually find our three points. And the first is this, the Holy Spirit comforts us in our affliction. The Holy Spirit as your advocate has been given to you, has been assigned to you, has been deposited within your very life to comfort you in your affliction. Look again with me if you would at John 14. We're gonna read now 16 through 18. I'm gonna read this verse again. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and to be with you forever. He's the spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he lives with you when I was with you in my ministry on this earth, and he will be in you. Verse 18, I will not leave you as orphans, but I will come to you. One of the ways the Holy Spirit comforts us in our affliction is by being present to us and by being the very presence of God with us. So one of the things that we need when we're going through a difficult time, when we're experiencing grief, when we're experiencing the sorrow of loss, what is it that we need in that moment? Well, we need a lot of things, but one of the things that we need is we need the presence of God. We need to be seen. We need to have the permission to know that everything that I'm experiencing on an emotional and mental level right now is valid. And what the Holy Spirit does by being the presence of God to us is validate the reality of pain and suffering in our lives. Friends, Jesus was was very, very familiar with the fact when he said, I'm gonna leave you another advocate. The implication is this. Jesus knows 
that even after the resurrection, that life is going to be tough for those who follow him. He knows that, right? Until Christ comes and makes all things new again. Until a new heavens and a new earth become our eternal reality, this world will have trouble. And Jesus was well aware of that. And some things just don't make sense. When we're living in the reality of a, of a sin-cursed world, Jesus understood very well, you're gonna go through some very, very difficult times. We can't control the economy. We can't control the decisions of other people. We can't control when people decide to do violent and heinous acts. We can't control earthquakes that happen in Afghanistan that wipe out 1,000 people and leave 1,500 people injured. Can't control those things. And in those moments, what do we do? Who do we turn to? Do we implode inside of ourselves or do we look beyond ourselves and say, oh God, hear me and find me and see me in the midst of my darkest hour? And here's what Jesus is saying. Friend, I see you. And I've given you the Holy Spirit to know that in that moment, friend, you are never alone. You are never alone. When it seems like everyone has turned their back on you, when you're misspoken of, when you're betrayed by your closest friends, associates, staff members, people that you've given money to, people that you've opened up your home to, here's what Jesus is saying. Friend, in that moment right there, when you feel like everyone has turned their back on you, there is one who has not turned his back on you and never will because he is your comfort. There's this beautiful verse that the Apostle Paul says to the Corinthians in 2 Corinthians chapter one. Beginning in verse three, Paul says, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. He is the Father of compassion and he is the God of all comfort. He's the God of all comfort, which means that there is nothing that is too great that he cannot comfort you through. And there's also, there's nothing too small Whatever it is that you're facing right now, even though to you it may feel or it might seem trivial, friend, I want you to know it's valid. It's valid. And the Father validates that because he's the God of all comfort. So as there's, there's no trial, there's no affliction that is in your life that is too great or is too small for the eye of God. Friend, he loves you. He cares about you. He's drawing near to you in the moments when you feel like life just isn't right because he's the God of all compassion and he's the God of all comfort. Look at this next verse. It says that God comforts us in all of our troubles. So he's the God of all comfort and in whatever trouble it is that you're facing, financial, medical, relational, occupational, whatever trouble you're facing, because he's the God of all comfort, he has the ability and the wisdom and the power to comfort you in every single one of your troubles. But there's a purpose behind this. He's comforting you because there will come a day, and I'm prophesying this over your life. And we don't need to rush this, but there is coming a day that through the process of God comforting you and being present to you and bringing his presence to you, there will come a day when you will come through that dark night of the soul. There will come a day. You will not always be here forever. You're not gonna be living paycheck to paycheck your entire life, friend. I'm here to announce over your life, these relationships that are turbulent right now, you're not always gonna be in that place. You're not always gonna be in that space of, of, of living in anxiety and fear because the God of all comfort will comfort you in all of your troubles so that you then can comfort all of those that are around you that God has put within your circle of influence. I learned many years ago, I remember I was my first year of, of seminary at OU. The Dean of Theology, Dr. Dr. Matthews, his very first message there in our advanced pastoral, class, uh, pastoral care class, he said this, he says, you cannot give what you do not have. And the only way that we can become wounded healers to the culture around us the only way that we can walk, all of us, pastorally sensitive to the issues of the day is that we open up our hearts and our minds wide to the comfort that's available to us from God. Because we cannot bring comfort to those unless we have received comfort from God himself. He's the God of all comfort. He comforts us in all of our troubles. 
so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort that we ourselves receive from God. The second aspect of God sending his Holy Spirit to be our advocate is this. Not only does he comfort us in our affliction, but he strengthens us in our adversity. He strengthens us in our adversity. And friends, if you haven't been paying attention to what's happening around us, whatever the social issue is, the adversity is becoming even more polarized day by day. And there are people out there, they, they, they hate Christians. They hate the name of God. Uh, this, this, this spirit of the age, the, the antichrist spirit of the age, it's, it's like, it's just stirred up. It's angry right now. And the way that we respond to that is not with anger. The way that we respond to that is not fighting fire by fire. You don't defeat the dragon with the spirit of the dragon. You defeat the dragon by the spirit of the lamb. And it's impossible for us to do that in and of ourselves. There's too much flesh inside of us. There's too much pride, there's too much ego, there's too much fear inside of us. And this is why Jesus promised that he would give us the Holy Spirit in order to help strengthen us in the midst of our adversity. Look with me, if you would, at John 14, 25 through 27. Jesus says, all this I've spoken while I was still with you, but the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he's gonna do two things. He's gonna teach you all things, and he's gonna remind you of everything that I have said to you. And then Jesus announces, peace I leave with you. My peace, the very epitome of peace, the fullness of the prince of peace I am giving to you. I'm giving you the spirit of peace. And I'm not giving this to you as the world gives. I'm giving you the spirit of peace who I believe is the Holy Spirit. So if we're not careful, we'll turn peace into this like esoteric, ambiguous candles and bubble baths and crystals and nature hikes and no, 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 no. Jesus is saying, I'm going to impart something to you. I'm going to put something in the very depths of your being that is going to be abiding, that is going to stay with you, that is going to steady you, that is going to anchor you. And what is that? It's the Holy Spirit. So what do we need in the middle of adversity? We need two things. We need the perspective of God that comes from, number one, him teaching us and reminding us of all things. And number two, we need the perspective of God that comes from the peace of God. Friends, we, we need a wisdom that is beyond ourselves in this hour. And, and if you're okay, if I just meddle a little bit, we're not gonna receive that wisdom by drinking from the fountain of the pundits. We're not gonna receive the wisdom to know how to stand up against the adversity of the hour by just like reading all the comments on Facebook. That's not where our fount of wisdom comes from. There is an advocate that has been assigned to you to live within you that in every hostile conversation that you're able to maneuver yourself through those things in a way that leaves people thinking, that leaves people questioning, that leaves people with the residue of heaven on them. Like notice every, every time Jesus was cornered, he never, he never lashed out. And, and by the way, can we just set aside for a moment? Well, but he did, you know, form a whip and let's just set that aside because everyone's taking that completely out of context. All right, let's, let's identify all the moments when it seemed like Jesus was cornered and angry mobs were pushing him to the edge of a cliff and he just walked through and he would answer with questions and he would just diffuse anger and hostility. What is that? It's the Holy Spirit. And this is what Jesus said. Friends, listen, everything that I've taught you, all of the scriptures, I'm gonna bring it back to your remembrance. You're gonna find yourself before kings, before magistrates. You're gonna find yourself before governors. You're gonna find yourself before atheists. You're gonna find yourself before angry family members at the Thanksgiving table. And, and, and you're gonna be afraid. You're gonna be intimidated. And here's what Jesus said. Friends, don't be intimidated. Because I've given you an advocate. 
and he's gonna remind you of everything I taught you. He's gonna remind you of the Sermon on the Mount. He's gonna remind you, blessed are the peacemakers. Come on now. He's gonna remind you of that. When you wanna rise up, he's gonna remind you and the anchor of the word by the power of the Spirit is gonna steady you in those moments. All right, the second thing we find is that Jesus says, I'm gonna leave my peace with you. So what we need, the, we need the wisdom of God and we need the peace of God that move us up into heaven's perspective. Yes. We need to be elevated into heaven's perspective in these crucial moments that we find ourselves in. Jesus says, my peace, I'm gonna leave with you. It is a peace that passes all understanding. It's a peace that's gonna guard your heart and mind. It's a peace that's gonna steady your emotions when you find yourself boiling, right? That peace of God, it's gonna just simmer you down. You ever find yourself in a conversation, maybe it's with a spouse, a roommate, a friend, a supervisor, and you find yourself like just getting locked up. And afterwards, as you begin reflecting on the conversation, you go, oh man, I should have said that, and I should have said that, and I should have said that, and I would have deconstructed them there, and I would have disarmed them there, and I would have defeated them there, and I would have just put my foot on their chest, and I would have been the victor. Uh, it's kind of like that, but a lot different. <laughs> and the peace of God helps you to, in the mind of Christ, access the wisdom of God. See, these things, they go together. Jesus says, I'm gonna remind you of everything that I taught you. And then I'm gonna give you a peace so that no matter what situation you find yourself when you're on the witness stand, right, figuratively speaking, you're gonna be so at ease that it's actually gonna be a witness for you. Right, for those of you guys who remember Acts chapter four, Peter and John, they lived this out. Peter and John in Acts chapter three, they just heal a man who's been uh, an invalid for 38 years of his life at the Temple Gate Beautiful. And the religious leaders of that day are infuriated by this because they're preaching in the name of Jesus. They say, hey, listen, you can tell us whatever you want, but as far as it concerns us, salvation is found in no other name under heaven or earth, and, is, and, and we're just gonna keep preaching the gospel of Jesus, by the way, the same Jesus that you guys crucified. And it just infuriated the religious leaders of that day. And but, but then they began taking counsel with one another, and it said this. They said they recognized that these disciples were not educated men. They were ordinary men. They were unschooled men. They were unlearned men. But then it says this, they took note that these men had been with Jesus, right? These, these, Peter and John didn't fight back. They, they didn't defend themselves. They were cool. They were filled with the peace of God. They were walking in the prophetic promise that Jesus gave them. And friends, that is what we need in this hour. Yes. To be wise as serpents and to be innocent and gentle and harmless as doves. And the only way that we can do that is by the Holy Spirit. The third thing that we see is that Jesus says, I'm gonna give you another advocate, the paraclete, the one who's called alongside of you, and he is gonna help you in your weaknesses. He's gonna help you in your weaknesses. And one of the ways that the Holy Spirit does this is by teaching us how to pray. The other way that he does this is by praying for us. Go with me in your Bibles to the book of Romans chapter eight. Romans chapter eight. Beginning in verse 22, Paul the Apostle says, we know that the whole creation has been groaning. Friends, the earth is groaning right now. Oh, yes. The earth is groaning. Like the, like the literal cosmos itself is in agony and pain, waiting for new creation, waiting for the mature sons and daughters of God to come forth. Goes on to say that we know the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to this present time. And not only so, not only is creation groaning, but we ourselves, we who are believers, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, we groan inwardly. Just before we came here, Christy and I were just processing the news and the events of the day, and, and Christy, she said this, and I, I, I find her, I catch her saying this more often within the past couple of years, she's just like, oh God, come quickly. Like the cry of Advent, it's, it's not just reserved for those four weeks leading up to Christmas time. I, I find myself in the yoke of the cry of Advent on a more regular basis now when you just look around at the pain and the brokenness of the world and the society and families and relationships and individuals and nation states. It's like, God, come. Lord, we must have you. We need you. 
We need you to make right and put back together the mess that we've made of this world. Guys, we're groaning. And if I could, if I could give you a pastoral charge tonight, I would say don't, don't just blow by that inward groan of the Holy Spirit. Like, don't ignore that. Tragedy fatigue and compassion fatigue, those are real things. And with that being said, there is also a deep well of compassion and a deep well of lament, and there is a deep well of intercession, right? The lament and the pain of the injustice of the world by the Spirit can lead us into a strength and into a power of intercession that could not happen otherwise. Friends, we need to become acquainted with the inward groaning of the Holy Spirit inside of us who will pray in us and through us in a way that we cannot pray by ourselves, but we need to be open to feeling the pain of God. We need to be open to feeling the brokenness of God's heart for the situations that are around us. Let's keep reading the verses here. We groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship, which is the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we are saved, but hope that is seen is no hope at all. And who hopes for what they already have? But if we have hope, but if, but if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. Now here's the good stuff. In the same way, the Spirit helps us. Say helps us. Help us. Say help me. The Spirit will help you in your weakness. And friends, if we had time, if we were sitting across the table right now, just doing coffee or having a discipleship conversation, I would say pull out your journal and your pen and take inventory of the areas of your life where you feel weak right now. Write those things down. Because this is a prophetic promise. That in every area where you need help, the Holy Spirit, your advocate, your paraclete, the one who has been called alongside of you, the comforter, counselor, helper, advocate, and intercessor has been given to you to help you in your weaknesses. We do not know what we ought to pray for. How many of you in every situation of life, you know exactly what to pray for? I really should not see any hand go up right now. It's, kinda, it's not fair, it's kind of a trick question. Like, guys, I've been living with Christ for a really long time, filled with the Spirit at an early age, devoured the Scriptures, meditate on them regularly. And friends, I, I still, I find myself, how many of you find yourself saying, God, I don't, I don't know what to do right now. I don't even know how to pray about this. I don't, even know, I don't even have the words to communicate and to articulate to you right now. The pain and the devastation of my own life and the world that's around me. Friends, listen, here's good news. The Holy Spirit's been given to you to give you words that you do not have. For we do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans, through wordless groans. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. Two things very quickly. Number one, I believe that the Holy Spirit will give us words both in our natural tongue. I also believe the Holy Spirit will give us words in a heavenly tongue, and yes. in, in, in our prayer language. I thank God for the gift of tongues. There are moments in my life, I tell you, when I don't know what to pray for, I immediately begin praying in the Holy Ghost. I begin praying in that heavenly language. And the promise of scripture is this. Friends, we don't have to be afraid of this. We don't have to be intimidated by this. We, we don't have to judge uh, our hope and our faith to walk in this based on other experiences that we've seen around them that may not have been healthy or good. And by saying that, I recognize that there have been moments that have not been good. What I'm saying to you tonight with gentleness and grace is that God is making available to every believer a heavenly tongue for you by way of the baptism of the Holy Spirit that will enable you and empower you to pray the very heart and mind and will of God in situations that are above you and beyond you. Friend, I wanna awaken faith inside of you tonight to believe for that. And I've got countless stories that I'll reserve for another time. But the other point here is this, not only will the Holy Spirit pray through you, both in your natural tongue and in a heavenly tongue, 
But friends, the Holy Spirit right now as we speak, he's praying for you. And I'd like to invite the worship team back up. We're gonna take a moment of ministry here for a second as they're making their way. And what I want us to do is I want us just to posture ourselves right now to say, Holy Spirit, I welcome you as my advocate. Friends, I talked about three areas, but there are so many ways. Like the the big picture here is God has given himself to you to walk with you, to carry you, to strengthen you, to fight for you, to champion your cause, to give you everything that you need by way of teaching and wisdom and peace and to intercede through you and to intercede for you. Let's stand to our feet tonight. And what I'm asking you to do right now is to call on the Holy Spirit to call on your advocate, to call on your helper, to call on your comforter, to call on your friend. If you're here tonight and you're saying, God, I need you to see me in my affliction right now. I need you to comfort my soul. I need you to comfort me in my sorrow and my grief. I need you to put my heart back together. Friends, call on the Lord right now. If you feel like you're under fire at work or with your family, If you feel like your faith is hanging on by a thread, friend, the Holy Spirit is the one who's been given to you to fight with you. And call on the Lord for that renewed strength. If you're here tonight and you're feeling like, I'm just just in over my head right now. Things are happening at work and they're just so beyond me. I'm trying to navigate these situations with my kids, with my ex-spouse, and and it just seems like every time we talk, things get tangled up, and it just just ends up in a a blow-up match. God, this is so beyond me. Friends, the Holy Spirit will help you in your weakness. So as we go into the song before we come to the table, can we call on the Holy Spirit together? Can we call on the Holy Spirit? Holy Spirit of the living God, the advocate, the helper, the comforter, the counselor, the intercessor, the friend, oh, Holy Spirit of the living God, we welcome you. Help us. Help us, Holy Spirit. We ask that you mend the brokenhearted tonight right here in this place. We ask that you would strengthen our faith and our hope. We ask that even right now that you would remind us of promises that we meditated on years ago. Scriptures that we put in our mental bank years ago, pull them back to our remembrance. Father God, let us rehearse the faithfulness of God by way of the Holy Spirit reminding us. Let the Holy Spirit remind you of the faithfulness of God right now, friend. Lord, I just just believe that there might even be some of you in this room tonight saying, God, I'm hungry to pray the Spirit. I'm hungry to pray in the Spirit. I want my prayer language. Ask the Holy Spirit. Jesus, would you fill me with the Holy Spirit? Would you baptize me afresh and anew? Would you give me a heavenly language? Would you, would, you, would you loose my tongue and give me an inspired utterance and help me to pray in ways that I don't know how to pray for? Friends, stay in this vein as we go into the song and I'll lead you to the table here in a minute.
as I enter I depend on moment we're going to go back into that bridge there I depend on you but I have a word for you at the end of that discourse when Jesus is teaching his disciples about the Holy Spirit right before he goes into the garden of Gethsemane the very last verse of John 16 verse 33 this is what he says he says I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace in this world you will have trouble but take heart Say, take heart, I have overcome the world. As Abby was leading us in that, I felt this just drop into my spirit. Friends, in this hour, which I believe is one of the greatest hours that the church has ever been able to steward, you are called to pastor people through this hour. And I'm not talking about just other Christians. I wanna awaken your imagination to believe that God has called you to be a pastor at your school, that God has called you to be a pastor even to and with and for people that hate you. You're called to pastor them. We're called to pastor the world through this moment, and we need the Holy Spirit to do that. There's just one catch, guys, listen. Everything that we talked about that's available to us by way of the Holy Spirit is only available for the sons and daughters of God. To those who have said yes, to those who believe in Jesus as the son of God who has come and laid his life down for the sake of humanity. That word paraclete, it's only mentioned four times in the New Testament. Three times it references the Holy Spirit. The last time it actually references Jesus himself. And that's found in 1 John chapter two. Let me read this to you. First John chapter two, verse one says, my dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. But if anybody does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. Friends, tonight, if you're here and you're saying, Pastor Jay, and I, everything you're saying to me, it's, it's too much for me, it's beyond me. I want you to know this right now. Jesus Christ himself is your advocate. So when the enemy stands accusing you, when the enemy stands before the Father, saying, well, you don't know what they've done. I have their rap sheet right here. I have everything against them to disqualify them. They don't deserve the Holy Spirit. They don't deserve to be powerful agents of change in this hour. They don't deserve a good family. With everything that the enemy speaks to the Father against you, Jesus is right there as your advocate, as your defense attorney. Say, excuse me real quick. Actually, actually, if I'm not mistaken, the enemy is right. Everything that he has against my sons and daughters, it's true. But, 
I took all of those things and I put those things on myself. And when I was crucified, every one of the enemies accusations and allegations against my people, they were destroyed. They were rendered null and ineffective and void and inoperative, all on the basis of the death and the resurrection of Jesus. So friend, if you have your communion elements tonight, if you don't have one, if you would just slip up your hand and we'll have one of our attendants bring one to you. If you'll rip off that outer layer and hold the wafer in your hand. This right here is the body of Christ. Jesus himself, his body was broken for us. And on that night when he sat with his closest friends and his followers, sharing his last Passover meal together with them, he said, this right here, this is my body. It's broken for you. Will you just take that and crush that, break that in your hand as a prophetic picture of Christ's body, which was broken for you. Let us take and let us eat. And in the same way, Jesus took the cup and he says, this is the cup of the new covenant in my blood. My blood has been shed for the forgiveness, for the removal for the absolute absolution of all sin. Today, it's my privilege to stand in this space and to speak over you tonight, friend. Your sins have been forgiven by the blood of Jesus. Let us receive the cup tonight. Let us go back in and just declare that we depend on the Lord. Friends, can we just sing that I depend on you here for another minute? How many received that word tonight? Yeah. yeah, the Holy Spirit is with you and the Holy Spirit is in you. Amen. And as we bless you and send you out of this house tonight, as we send you back into the spaces that you're called by God to occupy and the power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit, you are sent out by the Spirit, you are sent out with the Spirit, and you're sent out in the spirit. And friends, I believe that things are gonna start turning as you begin calling on the advocate of your life. So let me bless you tonight. Would you hold out your hands? I'm gonna pray directly out of Numbers chapter six. 
Verse 22, the scripture says, the Lord said to Moses, tell Aaron and his sons, this, this is how you are to bless the Israelites. Son, I want you to say to them, the Lord bless you. The Lord bless you and the Lord keep you. May the Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. Would you just receive peace right now? And so they will put my name on the Israelites and I will bless them. Friends, the name of the Lord is on you. So go forward in the name of Jesus. God bless you guys. Love you so much.